Would you agree with me today we're living in uh, changing times and troubling times where right is wrong and wrong is right? And I think it's interesting we think about it, the beliefs in the Bible, Christianity likewise is at an all-time low. You ask uh, people talk if they believe in the Bible, that they believe in Jesus Christ, believe in the resurrection, believe in so many things at an all-time low. I think it's interesting. Persecution also is happening all around the world, and I can easily see it happening in our own country in different forms in the near future. But it makes me wonder, what is it that people are really wanting to see? And so I uh, thought I'd do a series on practical Christianity. I think that's really what people want to see, but maybe come to uh, mind this right at Easter, I go to the safety store, we have different workers in there, and Jimmy, as a believer, is in there, and then there's also a young man named Caleb. And so I was in there in different ones. I just mentioned to him, I said, uh, that's talking about Easter was coming up, it's on a Friday, on Thursday, actually. And I said, uh, I just don't remember, I just don't forget what the real reason of Easter is. Well, I came back this last week, and Caleb comes up to me, and I guess Jimmy must have talked to him. And he says, are you a preacher for real? wasn't really sure how to take that one, but anyway, uh, I said yes, anyway. But it makes you wonder, what are they expecting? And you know, Everywhere you go, you're being watched. You're being watched on everything you say and everything you do. And I think it's important, what is it that they really want to see? And I did had talked to Caleb earlier, and I said, uh, do you know your namesake? You have you know much about him? And he had mentioned, well, I, I read the Bible. Uh, he doesn't really know too much about his namesake and so on. But anyway, so it's kind of got the conversation started. But at the same time, what does he need to see from me? And what does anybody else from the refinery need to see from me? And many think about it because I think what they need to see is authentic Christianity. They need to see a person who's living their life, whatever they're doing at work or anywhere else, an authentic Christian doing what he said. And I think it's interesting, uh, David likewise wrote that in Psalms 15. Now the background of Psalms 15 is probably when, he, if you remember, when they finally moved and got the ark to its proper resting point. It caused David then to think, ask a question. And David's going to ask a question in Psalms 15 and verse 1. He then answers it in verse 2 down to verse 5. But in David's case, they're looking for, he was wanting authentic <laughs> men and women of faith. Not just somebody who would just go through the formality. And I think today, people want the same thing. You can quote a lot of verses, but you want to see somebody live it. So I think it's important for us to look at it. And so we will be going into the book of James. We'll do it. That'll be our series, but today we'll be in Psalms 15, just authentic Christianity. And uh, what I want us to think about, first of all, and kind of an introduction, Psalms 15 is not a prescription for being saved. It's not going to tell you how to be saved, but rather a description of somebody who is. There's a big difference. And if you think about it, the prescription for being saved in the Old Testament is no different than the prescription today. It is by faith. And so you think about it. Look over in Romans chapter, we'll keep it in Psalms 15, but look over in Romans chapter 4 for a moment. Who is the founder of the Jewish nation? 
Abraham? Okay, so if you know the book of Romans, Romans in chapter 1, remember in verse 16 and 17, it says that Paul's writing, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's the power of God into salvation to, all, to those who believe, both to the Jew and to the Greek, right? Well, in order to get somebody saved, you first have to do what? You got to get them lost. So from chapter 1 through chapter 3, he then presents everyone as a sinner. And that's why you have Romans 3.23. Conclusion is all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. In chapter 4 and 5 then, he then presents that man needs to be saved by faith. So look in chapter 4. And Abraham being the founder of the Jewish nation, and obviously would be what David would turn to. But notice what it says starting in verse 1 of chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh is found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? This would have been in Genesis 15 and verse 6. And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham was saved by faith, not by works. And if Abraham is the founder of the Jewish nation, by the way, is he also the founder of the Arab nation? All need to be saved by faith, even though that's not what they're being taught. Notice what he says then, For not the one who his works, his, his wage is not reckoned to him as a favor, but what's due. We owe God good works. So notice then in the background, when David is writing about this, he's not telling us how to get saved. He's telling us what a true believer ought to walk like. If you think about it, in the Old Testament there were 613 laws. David's going to summarize them in 11. Jesus summarized him into two. Love your neighbor, what? And the most important? Love your Lord your God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, you'll keep the Ten Commandments. You do those two things, you'll do it. So I think it's important. So notice then, he's not authentic Christianity in Psalms 15. He's not telling us how to be saved. He's giving us a description of those who are. I think the same thing happens in the New Testament. The Gospel of John was written for what reason? In John 20, in verse 30 and 31, John tells us why it was written. Remember, he says, Many other things can be written, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus, what? Is the Son of God. So the description of how to become a believer is in the Gospel of John. But when you go to 1 John chapter 1, and verse 3 and 4, it says, he gives us... The, the description of a believer, if you want to walk and have fellowship with God and with one another, you have to be in the light as he is in the light. He's telling us how. So when we look at a passage, we need to look at what's he talking about. So in Psalms 15, he's given us a description of what a believer should be like, just like 1 John does. So think about it. Look at it then, the goal. Notice in verse 1, this was just, if you think about it, the historical setting was probably when they were moving the ark and just got it there. So notice the goal then that we already saw. Then verse 1 of chapter 15 of Psalms. O Lord, who may abide in thy tent? Who may dwell on thy holy hill? In other words, who can have fellowship with you? And we've already said it's not talking about you have to be a believer and come to him by faith in order for that to take place. But then you can ask Christ into your heart, but it doesn't mean you're having fellowship with him. We have children, and we have grandchildren, we have different things. They are related to us, they're family, but are we always having fellowship with each other? Or can things happen that fellowship's not there? So notice then, that's the goal. 
you think about it, the fellowship that we have, and I think it's interesting. How many of us desire to have fellowship with God? You'd think that would be unanimous, but it's not. I think a lot of people just want a sugar daddy. They really don't care about having a fellowship and walking with God. They just want to have a lifeline, right? Whenever they get in trouble, they have a lifeline and a phone, and they pick it up and call and uh, get bailed out, and then they don't remember them anymore until the next time they need the lifeline again. Well, think about it. Do I want to have fellowship with the Lord? First thing, remember, you have to start with what? Faith in Jesus Christ. But after faith in Jesus Christ, how many of us really want to have fellowship with Him? And uh, let's look at what He says then. So the practical things then is starting in verse 2. Notice in verse 1. He who walks with integrity. The word for walk, the word for uh, work, and the word for speak then in this passage is all present participles, which means what? A present participle means it's ongoing. Your walk is ongoing. It's a continuous thing. But notice it says the word integrity. It's interesting. I looked it up. It means complete, innocent, morally whole, no closets. How many of us does God have access to my entire house? And how many of us, are there certain areas that he is not allowed to have access to, nor is anybody else allowed to have access to? How many people are walking with integrity? I think it's important. How many of you really like to, when you see people and you want them to be with integrity, whatever they say, you know you can go to the bank with it. How many of you have business dealings or people that work when they open their mouth, you really don't know if what they're telling you is the truth or not? How many of us are wanting believers, people wanting believers? When they say something, they know they're telling them the truth to the best of their knowledge. People of integrity. I think it's interesting when you look at it. Look over in Proverbs 20 uh, 20 and verse 7. Walking with integrity. Proverbs 20 and verse 7. A righteous man or a person who is in right standing with God who walks in his integrity... How blessed are his sons after him. How blessed is it for a family to have a righteous man leading the home. You know, personally I'm very thankful that I had that growing up and my brothers and sisters did too. A righteous person makes all the difference in the the home. But what about in a business or anything else? How important is a righteous person? If you didn't grow up around that, does that mean you can't be that person? No, it's a choice. Do I choose to walk with integrity? You know, I think about, when you think about that walk, uh, how would people describe your walk to people that know you? Would people say he walks with integrity? Or would they use other words? Important. So notice the first one, uh, he gives us 11. One is a person walks with integrity. Notice the second one is in the second part of two. He works righteousness. Works righteousness. It's interesting, the new dictionary of theology, this is how it defines this Hebrew word, right standing and consequently right behavior within a community. Right standing and right behavior. He does what is right. How many people, no matter where somebody is watching or not watching, he does what's right. 
How many people do you work with that do what's right when they're being watched? How many of you work with ones that when the boss is around and they're doing something and as soon as the boss leaves, what happens? They're doing nothing or very little. So how many are walking with integrity, but how many are working righteousness? So the question you can ask, is my walk or work without blemish available for all to see at any time? That was one of the greatest compliments I ever got 20-some years ago. I was on a mission field. I was wanted Will to go. My son. So we went to Malaysia. And the only thing they had was basically that we could do, is, or for me to do, was uh, they found out that I worked with equipment. So over there, they have weed eaters that strap on your back. And so being in a jungle-type environment, you can imagine how much weed eating I had to do. I mean, I was weed eating everywhere, and it was, uh, and also painting and doing things like that. Well, the person that was on the mission trip was also was very, very high in the corporation the company. At that time, he was over health and safety, environmental, and he happened to see me working and doing different stuff. And he came up to me and says, "The uh, person who's doing the remediation is about to retire. We need someone who can work without being watched." without supervision, I'd like you to consider coming and working at the refinery. I said, man, I've never even set foot in a refinery. I've never seen a pump. I know nothing about it. He said, would you consider doing it? I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll wait till December when my yards slow down, and we'll try it for a month, and if it doesn't work, nobody of my customers will even know I was gone, and we'll see how it works out. Well, 20 years later, I'm still there. But uh, and he's moved on, and he's way up in the company today. But notice then, you can work without people watching you. When you're given assignment, no matter who's watching, who's not watching, you're going to do the job. And it's true. What I do, I almost nobody sees me every day. When you pull up, there's always work to be done. If you want to pull up a pump, you may pull up 20 before you find someone that's wrong, something's messed up. But you will find something to do. So are you just going to sit there, or are you going to go out and look for it? And so I think it's important. So notice then, first of all, walk with integrity. Two, work righteousness. Notice the next one in verse 3, uh, the end of verse 2. He speaks truth in his heart. Now most of the time you think of we speak truth with our mouth. But if you stop and you think about it, what are we, are, what are we told when we, in Proverbs 23, 7? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Mark 7, what did Jesus say? That which proceeds out of a man, that which defiles him. And then you get to 23 of Mark 7. All these evil things pass from within, defile the man. I think it would be better to say, I didn't mean to say it. Any of you ever had that happen? You were thinking it, and it came out, but you wished it hadn't come out. Okay, but you were thinking it. Uh, so I think it's important, notice then, what he said, you have a walk with integrity, you work of righteousness, you speak the truth. Isn't that what we want from everybody? You stop and think about it. All of those, you stop and you think about it. How embarrassed will we be if everybody knew our thoughts at different times? That's one reason why I don't, I'd like to ask, what did you think of the message? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm putting both of us in predicament, right? Are you going to tell me the truth, and do I want to hear it? You know, <laughs> But I think it's important for all of us. Are we speaking the truth? 
And I think when you get to know people, you can read their face well enough and you know when they're telling you the truth and when they're not. And how many of you knew your kids? And you knew them well enough, you could look at their face and you knew them by their body language or whatever, and you knew <laughs> right before they ever said a word or after they did when they were telling you the truth and when they were not. We need people. Notice Dave was saying what? Hey, the, the ark may be here, but I want, what does it take to have true intimate fellowship with God? My walk, my work, my speech, all of it's important. Notice then the next one, I think it's interesting. Notice the part of verse 7. He does not slander with his tongue. It's interesting, I didn't know this, we know what slander is, but it's interesting, this is what Swindoll has to say, what the root of this word is. It means foot or hoof of a horse. And it carries the idea of walking into a situation, looking it over, backing out carefully, and then hoofing it, going from place to place, revealing secrets that are really no one else's business. How many people do you know that are hoofing it from place to place? It's interesting. Webster defines slander as the utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. Slander, then, is not simply telling a lie. It's distorting the truth about another person. To avoid this, we must choose our words so carefully that if the person walking in presently or walking we're talking about would say, that's exactly right, those are the facts. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? When you're talking about somebody saying something, it's so true that if they heard it, they would say that's exactly correct. That should be our goal. But how many of us tell part of the truth? Most of the time you get into things, how many people only give you part of the story? So then you have to go get the, the different ones. You ever had it with siblings or with your kids? You hear one side of the story and immediately you're all ready and all of a sudden you call the other one in and then you go, oh, this little detail and this little detail and this little detail is left off. You know, those little details. Okay, remember slander. Slander is so important. And how many times does slander destroy the church? It happens a lot. I think it's interesting. <clears throat> so you look at it, I think it's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> what do I do with right gossip? Do I tell it or do I bury it? And I think it's important because you're going to hear it all the time. The place at the refinery, if you want gossip, you go to the smoker. I don't smoke, so I don't usually get it. But if you want to know gossip, you just go to the smoker, and then that's where all of them are at, and they, you know, they're there all on a regular basis, and they say it. You know, you have to check with my parents because I wasn't around. But this is many years ago when they were young. There was a teenage girl who was, had a date with a young man, and a neighbor was watching. Anyway, she gets home really, really late after midnight, and didn't look in too good shape when she came in. Well, what happened, they had a flat tire. And it was bad weather. So what do you think you'd look like? So what do you think the lady then has to say about the young lady? So much so that she committed suicide. Okay, nobody... But it was all wrong. It had nothing to do with the truth. One that I remember hearing, I don't know if it was true or not, but a young man had come to a new town and he was, remember he was working in a trade, I will say he was a plumber, I don't remember, and he was called over to work 
at the local bar to fix their plumbing. Well, his truck was parked outside all day. So what do you think the local gossip at the church where he started to attend had to say about him? So she passed the rumor all around that he was there all the time. So we'll call him Dave. Dave didn't say anything. He didn't say anything about Betty's remarks and all the different things she had to say. But that night, Dave drove his truck in front of Betty's house and left it there all night and walked home. (laughs) He went back the next morning and picked it up. What kind of slander do you think might have been going on now? Now we laugh about it, but I think slander, how many have been hurt by untruthful words? And they can truly destroy a lot of things. So let's be really, really careful. Notice in the second part of verse 3, he'll give you the, the fifth one. Do not, notice it does not speak evil of his neighbor. The Living Bible actually gives a good explanation. He doesn't listen to gossip. How many of us listen to gossip? And then worry are going to be the judge. We're going to listen to it, and we're the all-authority. But how many times are we given all the truth? I'll never forget working for a, a, a young lawyer. He just started out. He's presently a judge here in the Tulsa area. And they wanted me to do a French drain. Anyway, he came up to me and he said, uh, I'm now starting to take on divorce cases. I said, okay. He said, but I'm only going to represent the right side. <laughs> Okay, good luck with that. How are you going to know what's the right side? Who? How much truth on anything? But is it? I think a more honest case might have been, I'm having trouble with bringing business in, and this is the way I can do it. That would probably be a more honest answer. Don't know, but I think it's important because there's, we we never know on that. But think about it. Do do no evil to your neighbor. How many times is that? Do things happen in a neighborhood? I worked for an individual, two of them actually. They lived next door to each other for over 30 years. They were believers, but they wouldn't speak to each other because of something that happened 20-something years before. In fact, I wasn't allowed to, uh, invited to work for one of them until the other one moved or died. And then I couldn't work for the two because they couldn't get along. And it was pretty sad, though, if you were... Both are named in the name of Christ. Do you think others in the neighborhood knew about this feud? And are they expected to choose sides? But again, it's sad. How many people... So you think about it. Do people want authentic Christianity? Does Caleb want to see an authentic Christian that he's dealing with? Think about that. I think it's interesting... uh, we talk about don't listen to gossip. How many just get up and walk away when it starts? Or how many of us want to listen and we'll be the judge? It's interesting. I remember uh, Grady making an example or making a statement one time when somebody was saying something and he said that well, let's just go let's just go and let's go talk to that person. Now what do you think is going to happen when the person's giving you information about somebody and we go, Oh, let's just go talk to Sam, let's see if that's really true. What do you think the person's going to do? Do you think they're going to hit reverse and start backpedaling really, really fast? If it's true, then let's go talk to them. And so I think it's important. Notice the next one. He goes from neighbor to friend in verse uh, in 3. Nor take up a reproach against his friend. 
I think it's interesting, take up. You're told something and you're not picking it up and you're carrying it. A reproach about a friend. I think it's important when we think about it. There could be things that are said about a friend or whatever that may be true, but notice according to Matthew 18 and 1 Timothy 5, it needs to be on the words of two or three witnesses, not just one. Somebody can get crossways with somebody real easy and say something. Is it really true? Well, you need to go listen, but then go check it out. Don't just automatically assume that something is true. But don't take a reproach against a friend. How many friendships are destroyed over words? One person says something and does whatever. We'll be thinking about it. Interesting. This is what Warren Wearsby had to say. He was a pastor for many years in some of the larger churches in the country. More trouble is caused in families, neighborhoods, offices, and churches by gossip and lies and the people who keep them in circulation than by any other means. You know, I like the word, keep them in circulation. About the time they're about to go out of circulation, they bring it back up again. Words. I think it's amazing how many of these have dealing with our tongue and with words. Notice in verse 4 that he's going to give us the seventh one. In whose eyes a reprobate is despised. A reprobate is one who despises the things of God. Do we have people today who despise the things of God? Okay, so you don't want to be around them because of, and you shop and think, why shouldn't you be around them? In Psalms 1, you remember it says, you do not walk, you do not stand, nor do you sit in the seat of a scoffer. Why is that? Proverbs, we're told what? Man given to anger, if you associate with him, what's going to happen? It's going to be like him. We think, oh, no, no, that won't happen. Let's just stop. If you, if you haven't thought about this, the tendency for every single one of us is to drift left. Let's just go and think about movies. Jean's uh, mom, uh, believer, but she was uh, when she was a child, she was forbidden to go see Gone with the Wind. Why is that? There was one cuss word in it. And what do people think today about that one cuss word in a movie? Have we drifted to the left at all? And that's true for every single one of us. We have to really think. You know, there's things we we can certainly major on the minors and certain some things that we need to recognize that really were not uh, that important scripturally. But we have to be careful because we're going to keep drifting to the left, and our nation has drifting uh, rapidly. So think about uh, despise the reprobate. Notice in verse 4, the second one, but honors those who fear the Lord. Honor means hold or esteem. And then those who fear the Lord are those who have reference for. With young people, how many of them truly are their heroes, men and women of faith? Most of our heroes are who? They're athletes or they're whatever it might be. How many, then who's blowing it? Who is, who is making them the hero? I can greatly respect someone's ability in athletics, but they're not my heroes. I can respect their ability. I love watching them play. I don't in, get interested in all their antics after off the court or off the field, but they're not my heroes. My heroes are ones of faith, and what are they doing? But are we trans? 
referring that then to people to scripture and to our kids. This is who you need to emulate. This is who you need to. I think so often we have heroes that are all around us that go to work every day, that do different things. Are we really trying to say how important they are? And so I think it's important. Notice then there's the choice of the person to honor and fear those that do that. So you think about it, how many of us are doing it? Who we decide to honor? Will kids pretty much pick up what the parents do? What's my favorite football team? Well, it was my dad's. What's my favorite baseball team? My older brother. You know, it's amazing how many things they have, even to this day, they're still my favorite. Why? We have a lot greater. You ask a person, what's their favorite gun? With probably whichever one their parents or dad or whatever showed them and taught them, you know, it's whatever, this is the best one. Most of them probably couldn't tell you the real the reason. What's the best mower to have? Well, it's probably the one that your dad, you got used to using. So I think it's important. Who do we honor and esteem will become like? When I was in school, it was amazing listening to the different... I was in a class one time where we had all the young aspiring ministers around there. It was really interesting to watch them. Who do you think they were trying to emulate? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Even how they held their Bible. You know how Billy Graham would hold his Bible and he'd curl under and they'd do different stuff? They would try to you know, do that. And the others would try to emulate the teacher. And he would have a certain way of doing it. So many points, so many stories, you know, all the rest. And they try to emulate all that. And this was the way to do it. Uh, the way to do it is teach the Word of God. And uh, I think it's important to recognize. Whether you have three points or you have eight, you know, you, you know, teach the Word of God. But notice then, you honor those who fear the Lord. Notice the second part of four. He, uh, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. Think about it. Swears to his own hurt. In other words, he gives his word about something. And things can change. Let me give you a couple of examples. Is the gas prices going up? Okay, so I don't do very many yards anymore, just a few. But if I give a person at the beginning of the year, if I said I'm going to do a yard for $35, well, okay, what happens when the gas price goes up? Did I tell them I'd do the yard for $35? And I told them I was going to do it for the year for $35? Should I go to $40? No. Okay, Grady, Don Eaton has a tractor for sale. He says, good working order. He'll sell it to you for $5,000. This week, when Don's out looking at his tractor, he realizes the tie rod ends are bad. What do you think he's going to do? <laughs> yep. Yep. Knowing Don, he's going to fix the tire rise at his expense and still charging $5,000 because that's what he said. Or he's going to tell him, hey, we can change the price. This I found this is wrong. Isn't that what Scripture says? I think it's important for us to be men and women because then people are going to respect and understand when he says something, it's real. We have to be... You don't find... And I remember dealing with some different ones who were Christians and then during the you know, unchurch and stuff and then I saw them in a business dealing and I said something to them well that's church business is business no it should be the same irregardless of what day of the week that it is you give your word even when it's wrong there are times when I people a customer come up to me and ask me for a price what do I owe you 
did extra work. It didn't take me long to realize I then would come back to them and say, let me think about it and write it all down. Because a couple of times I give them a price, they give me a check, and when I got home, oh, I forgot to charge for the steel edging and I forgot to charge for this. Well, what happens? You eat it, don't you, Brian? Yep. Because you gave them the price, you sent them on their way, and you forgot. So now you want to think through it because it's not right to then come back and say, oh, you owe me more money. We need to be men and women of our word. Notice the next one he has. I think it's interesting. Does not take a bribe against the innocent. You know, you think you, or, or actually the one before that, we need to get it first. He, he does not put his money out at interest. Notice his authority. The Old Testament said you are not to loan, twice in the Old Testament, you are not to loan to another Jewish person with interest. Notice the authority that this person has is Scripture. How much is the authority of Scripture? That's why I've always said I have a problem with our association when we loan money to churches in interest. It says not to. Now, obviously, the church is not Israel. I understand that. But I have trouble with this loaning things in interest. Uh, we, we are told not to. And I think it's interesting because we're thinking of another person more important than ourselves. But notice the next one says, doesn't take a bribe against the innocent. Same thing, Old Testament said not to take a bribe. Scripture is the authority, and therefore I don't. It's one of the biggest problems we have in politics today. The longer somebody is in politics today, I don't care of their party, the longer they're in politics, more and more people are giving them money, and the more and more their voting record seems to change based on the money that's being given. And they, they say they aren't being bought off, but their record seems to show otherwise. We have to be careful. It doesn't matter who, we should be the same in every dealings that we have. Notice then what he promises them. Those are the 11. You stop and think about it. Those 11 that I gave you, you think about it. <clears throat> what kind of walk should we have? A walk of integrity. What kind of work should we have? A righteousness. We should speak the truth. We don't do evil to our neighbor. We don't take up reproach against friends. We despise and reprobate. We honor those who fear the Lord. We swear to our own hurt. We don't change our word. We don't take money with interest. And we don't take a bribe. Notice the promise then. He who does these things will never be shaken. Are things going to happen and change in our lifetime? They sure will. Think about it. I thought of an interesting, how do you summarize these 11? I think you can summarize it in three ways. One is integrity. You're a blameless character. You say what you do and you do what you say. Blameless character. Second one is honest. You have a right conduct. You're honest in all your dealings, no matter what you do. And the third one is that of sincerity. You have truthful conversations. You say yes, you say no. Truthful conversations. I can't say something nice, I don't say anything. Truthful conversation. So let's think about it. Do I have a faith that's a working, believing faith in Jesus Christ? Or does it show? Do I desire to be an authentic, spirit-controlled Christian? Is that really what I want people to see? Is my character blameless? Do I have integrity in what I say and do? Am I dealing with each and every person with honesty? It's amazing when we get together in departments and we have get on these conference calls and everybody all over. It is amazing how the 
people are, depending on who's on the call, who wants to butter up because the big wig is on there. And you don't hear from them all of a sudden. It's just, it, it, you know, it, it's amazing. But how many of us are being honest? Are all my conversations sincere, truthful ones? Do you think the world is looking for an authentic Christian? I believe they are. I believe they are. And let's try this week to be that authentic Christian.